you're joining us for the very first time in the Discipleship Journey series that we've been doing, we've started the journey from when you are a non-believer and getting saved, and then what happens after you get saved? What is the course? What's the steps you must take and in the truths of God's Word to help you to grow and mature in this new relationship with God, this new creation He has done inside you, this born-again experience? What do you do with this? This being changed, now what do I do kind of a moment? And it's a called discipleship. You're to be discipled up by and through the Word of God. But not only for you personally, but it's also once you're saved and you're growing, maturing, then God wants to use you in the life of someone else. That means you need to learn how to disciple someone else in this. So I encourage you, if you've not been going through all the series, taking notes, this is the expectation is to you to go back and disciple others biblically. <laughs> biblically, let me re repeat that, biblically, using the word of God to help someone in their new, to get saved, right, to, to understand who Jesus Christ is, to share the good news, but then to mature properly, biblically, not as the world does it, or not even as false teachers are out there doing it, but through the word of God, and you can take notes, and again, go back, and you can go back to the Facebook, uh, and go back to the very beginning, and uh, with uh, the very first uh, series there in our journey. Uh, tonight we will continue. Tonight we'll see six more steps that I will be tackling tonight in the scripture. And we're going to start here in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, as the, the verses to kind of catapult us into this. It's probably going to be a three part, um, three parts on this one alone on around dealing with self. If I find it's going to be four, enough, enough information to go four times, probably not. Three, yes. Two, maybe. But we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes tonight and how far along I get. But we're going to, as I also mentioned, as we get deeper into these, these journeys, I'm going to go more and more in depth on specific issues or things that you must deal with in your life as a, as a child of God. And tonight it's all about dealing with self. Now this may be painful for many. Because many of many of you are, are, are if, if you're just in your you're new in your journey and you're, you're growing and maturing and you're still struggling in in the flesh and carnality and all kinds of things and stuff, this is going to be hurt. This is going to hurt a little. So I, I'm just letting you know. Stick with it. The scriptures are going to be very cutting and to right to the point, and it will speak to you in a, a way you probably are going to feel very uncomfortable. But again, let the Holy Spirit do the work in you. Hold, take a hold of that truth. Confess those sins, confess where you're falling short, and then know that the Lord is using this to build you up, to encourage you in your walk with him. So uh, I pray that uh, the Lord, you'll allow the Lord and the Holy Spirit to have, his, have their way. So Luke 9, 23 and 24 here. Then he said to them all, here's Jesus saying to them all of his disciples here, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now those are very powerful verses if you haven't meditated on those before and taken those and, and looked ver, uh, word by word on this. You can find that those are very powerful statement by our Lord Jesus Christ to those who are asking the question, how do I move forward in this relationship with him? And, how do I, and he makes it very clear it's going to require change. And not only is it going to require change, it's going to require that you die of self. And you can't continue to be focused on yourself because one of the things you'll realize, the more you think about yourself, the more miserable you will become. 
And so how do you get out of that cycle? How do you get out of those things, those, these self-talking things that causes you to spiral out of control and go down? Well, we're going to go through some scriptures here tonight about dealing with self. And we're going to talk about that supreme challenge you will face in making um, a Christ-honoring Christ biblical change in your in in your in your life and that requires dying to self and that is not easy to die of self the biblical perspective concerning self is exactly opposite to what the world proclaims it's opposite of what the psychobabble tells you out there it's very, very different when you do it God's way than the world's way. And, and I want to challenge you with this. I mean, Proverbs 14, 12, talking about self, it says, There's a way that seems right to man, but it ends in the way of death. There's so many times people say, this seems really right to me. Well, is it against the scripture? <laughs> and it's about boosting your little self up. You, you're, you're, it's going to result in something that's not going to be good. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So once you understand the scripture and realize you don't know it all, and the world doesn't know it all, and then what you think is the way to do it, if it goes contrary to what you need to see what God says, because it's probably going to be contrary to what you're thinking, unless you're already thinking biblically. Jeremiah 10, 23, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in myself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. So even Jeremiah says, you don't know what you're doing. And you have no idea where you're going. And if you think you know what your steps are and what your plan is, you've, you've fallen really short in understanding what the scripture says. Luke 9 Luke 9, 23 and 24 says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires, come after me. Remember, we just read this main scripture. If you come after me, let him deny himself. And that's very difficult to deny yourself. You think you deserve something for yourself. You deserve this. I deserve my vacation. I deserve my, my spa day. I deserve this. And we constantly are saying, pampering ourselves in some ways and to just try to compensate because of the, you know, the challenges you have in your life. And I'm not saying it's not wrong to do those things. I'm just saying, but you rely upon those things to just live by the flesh and live by the feelings. And you're not wanting to die yourself or go through that tribulation or go through those challenges that are presented to you. But again, the scripture says we must pick up our cross daily and follow me, he says. Jesus, you follow me. Do it my way. 1 Corinthians 3, 19 and 20 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolish with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So many times men think they're so wise. They know what's best. I know what's best. And, and God says, that's foolishness. You don't know what's best. I know what's best. Come to me and I will show you through my wisdom what is right and what is good for you to move forward. First John chapter 2, verse 15 and 7 through 17. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. 
So as, as when we get this settled and this starting the, this conversation here, we are going to understand the purpose of this, this, this conversation around dealing with self is a threefold thing that I'm trying to accomplish for you. One is I want you to know the difference between following and understanding the truth of God regarding yourself. What does God say about self? And, and those erroneous view or, uh, viewpoints of what the natural man or the world tries to tell you regarding, especially the natural man regarding self-belittlement, self-exaltation, or self-pity. Those are the three things we won't be able to go into detail tonight, but next Wednesday, Lord willing, that will be the next part two, is how to deal with yourself. If you deal with some problems in your life about self-belittlement, always oh, me, you know, this is what's going wrong with me. This self-belittlement kind of a mentality, what does God say about that? Or self-exaltation, I am the best of the best, you know, no one can do better. You know, it's, it's, it's highs and lows, or, or a demonic we see in the scripture is self-pity. That's just demonic. So again, we're going to take those through by the scriptures so you can solidify that in your own mind for your own life. But if you're not dealing with those three things, one of those three things, then someone else in your life that you know is. And I need you to give you the scriptures to help those people out there. And the second thing we want to do is a contrast between God's word and man's philosophy regarding envy, jealousy, covetous, and greed. Again, the top four things that people in their lives allow to get creep into their lives and it will destroy your life and it will affect everyone around you. When you start envying people or jealousy of people or covetousness or greed, those things, those are sin that must get be rid of and you have to deal with those things. And then lastly, the third thing is I want to kind of give you an illustration or kind of help you put this picture together, a focus around are you living a God that's pleasing God or pleasing yourself? And those are absolutely in contrary to one another. And we want to make sure you know scripturally what, how you can detect if you're living for self versus God. So you and I will face constant temptations. We've learned that in the previous teachings. Constant temptations to self-centeredness. That is a, the sin that dominates us all. Self-centeredness if you allow it. That, 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 that lead to the thoughts and actions um, and, uh, and words coming out of your mouth that are so about yourself. It's, it's, you're, it's, 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 it's shocking how we can be that. And it's so devastating, not only to your own life, but it's devastating to the body of Christ. It will destroy the body of Christ if we're not careful because our self-centeredness and played out will be played out in these things we're going to be talking about here. And we need to be walking according to the ways of the Lord and not to ourselves because your own walk with the Lord is going to be absolutely critical because they characterize your life apart from Christ if you're not following Christ. You're, that self-centeredness, it will, it will reveal this, this life that you think you're a Christian, you talk like you're a Christian, and you believe you're walking a Christian, but you're contrary to that because your characteristics are going to the self and not toward the Lord in regards to how you think and your actions and words. You and I must confess these sins in our lives and overcome them if you and I are going to mature as a child of God. So a lot of people say, I've been a Christian for a long time, but man, I just don't think things are... Because you're not maturing. 
There's things you're still doing that are not are contrary to the word of God. And God is trying to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, trying to get you to change. But you're so prideful, so self-centered in these certain aspects of your life, you're not willing to change biblically. Even though the Holy Spirit is trying to get you to change, you seem everyone else is the problem and not you. And when that happens, it plays out and it's, not, it's never good. I mean, one of the key things that we're going to look here is that uh, in regards to uh, these, these steps, I want to make sure you are, are grabbing a hold of here. But look, look at right down Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So that's the first thing you have to do is you need to sit here tonight and say, I'm willing to confess as the Holy Spirit leads and, and shows me the things in my life that need to change. I need to confess that. that. That's speaking of me. And I'm willing to change. And I'm willing to do what God wants me to do to make that change. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So don't think you know everything about yourself, let alone about the heart of someone else. You do not, but God does. Mark 7, verse 20 through 23. Mark 7, 20 through 23, he says, what comes, out of a man that what comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from, for, for from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, idolatries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, uh, lewdness, an uh, evil eye, a blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. So what defiles a man? There's the list that is given to us. That's what will defile a man. We cannot allow those sins, those things, be characteristics of who we are. If it is today in your life, have, have courage here and have hope that as you follow along and, and mature in your relationship with God and allow him to work, those will not be your characteristics that will be who, identify who you are. You don't have to be where you're at if that's who you are based on that list. Now, you should be celebrating. If you've been maturing and growing, you can say, that used to be me. That was me. That was everything about me. That was the poster child. Me. That was me. But that's not who I am anymore. That's, that's my past. That, I, don't even, I forgot about the fact that that's who I used to be. I hope that's what majority of the people who are listening tonight, that's where you're finding yourself this evening. Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 5. But fornication... And all uncleanliness and, or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as it is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather give of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator or unclean person or nor covetous man who is an adulterer has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So the scripture is very clear. If you're in that state, you've got to change or you're in, you're in deep trouble. You must change. You cannot accept those things to be in your life any longer. You must die of self and be willing to change biblically. So as we take a look at this thing, let's go for the very first one here, step 33. That's where we're on. We've taken uh, 32 steps so far. Tonight we'll take step 33. And here's a principle you must hold on to. You must take this step and understand it. No one hates himself. No one hates himself. Rather, he loves and cherishes and nourishes himself. That is truth. Now you may come in there and say, oh, and you might be battling in your head right now and say, Pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm just telling you what the scripture tells you. 
Go back and read. I'll give you one, one Matthew twenty two thirty nine. You can write down to that and go back and read that. Or you can, I'll read Ephesians 5, 29. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So the scripture tells us we love ourselves real, a lot. <laughs> we, we love ourselves a lot. And for some, you love yourself way too much. And that's the challenge you're facing yourself with this, this evening. But that's the thing. No one hates himself. Rather, he loves and cherishes, nourishes himself. And man's problem is that he pays too much attention to self and not too little. Ephesians 2.21, For all seek their own, not the things which are Christ Jesus. Many people will spend their time in the early stages steps of their being born again is to really continue to focus on self and not focus on Christ. So they're not maturing. They're still focused on trying to hold, how do I keep the old life and still be, now be saved and not be willing to change? I'll give up a little bit to him, but I'm not willing to change this part of my life. I really think this is okay. No, it's not okay. If it goes against the, uh, the scripture, then you must let it go. I'll give you another one that's pretty powerful. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Note that. The people he's speaking to here is all that list, but they have a form of godliness. They think they're Christians. They think they're godly. They think they're, these, are, these are people. That's how they think. But deny its power from such people turn away. We're not to have fellowship with those people. Those who say I'm a Christian but continue to live habitually in those kinds of things, you're so to turn away from them. They're not willing to repent and change. Those are, those are, that's a dangerous, I say those are dangerous people to be around because they will affect you if you're not careful. So in step 33, understand you need to not love yourself so, so much. You, you, you really do cherish and nourish yourself. We, we spend way too much time on ourselves versus focusing on Christ. Step 34, here's another main key principle I need you to understand. is a proper view of self comes from an understanding of who you are in Christ now. As a believer, as a son of God, you must have a proper perspective of who you are in Christ now. Not the old life, not when you were growing up, not when you're, you're, you're going through your, your mid, you know, the, the tribulations of teenage world or, or the early, whatever stage you think was the worst of your life. But as a child of God now, you must have a proper perspective of as a son of God of how you are to think and live. And so that step 34 is absolutely critical for you and I if we're going to mature. Romans 8 Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again, again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if we indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. We must allow the, the Spirit of God that's sealed you for eternity, that lives within you, that Spirit of God, to testify daily that you're a child of God. And there's expectations from your Heavenly Father that you live and think and act and talk a certain way. It has to be biblical in that form. Or if you think the world and go as a world and, and, and just by yourself, then you've got challenges with yourself because you're competing against your Heavenly Father and the Spirit of God that's convicting you to change. So we must not have a fear of the bondage of the past, but have the freedom of understanding of a father, this relationship with God the Father as a son of God, that he is going to come in because we're heirs as children, and we must act like we're part of that family. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. Did you notice that? You are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. You having problems with the principalities and, and power of the darkness of this world? You have the power by God himself that lives within you to overcome that, because he overcomes it. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, but but by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So if God is raising Christ from the dead, he can work in your life to raise you from that dead body, that dead old self you were living and living by for so many years. You don't have to live that way anymore. You must believe that. Why? Because the word of God says that is true as a child of God, if you're a child of God. That's why we must die of that self and we must continue to believe what the scripture says and that is what you meditate on, that truth and not those feelings and other things and fiery darts that are thrown at you or by others who keep replaying things. I remember in the military, so often it's so common, it happens with young men here and ladies that come here and they get saved and everything's changing their lives dramatically. And I remember even myself, a changed life and then going back home in the military and you haven't been home for a while. And when you go back home, what happens? People back home go, you've changed. But they still think you're the, that, that high schooler that left and went to, high, went to school or went to military out of high school, they think you're still the partier back home. You were the life of the party. You used to do this and this. No, I don't do those things anymore. And you want to keep away from all your friends who start coming out. They haven't talked to you in two years since you've been in the military. But you come home, what happens? They all want to get around you and go back to the old life and party like you used to. And it's a struggle because you have to tell them, no, that's not who I am any longer. And that's what happens, and you must remember every day that is not who you are any longer. You're a child of God, and you're free from all of that. And you must understand that truth. Because as a child of God, you have the assurance of that, your heavenly Father out of his grace and mercy. As we sang tonight, as we worshiped him in that truth, there's mercy, there's grace from our heavenly Father that's involved in your life and my life daily. 
His mercies are new every day. Do you understand what that means? So many Christians say those words, but they really don't believe them because they, they immediately after saying, oh, you know, mercies are new every day, and, but they turn around the next conversation, next sentence, goes contrary to what they just said. We as Christians not only need to say what the Word of God says, but we need to apply it and catch ourselves from not continuing down those same old paths of communications like we've done before. Because we need to know that God is actively working in our lives in spite of our natural in, inadequacies that we have. Because as naturally, we have inadequacies we have to deal with. But we must understand that He can overcome those inadequacies and, and, and change us biblically. So while you are totally inadequate to live God's way... In your own strength, that's truth. You're not capable of living God's way in your own strength. God has chosen you to be a testimony of his power in the world. God says, I know you're going to fall short. You can't do it in your own strength. But watch me because you allow me to come into your life and empower you to change. And everyone's going to look at you and say, how did you change? How did you get out of that situation? How did you no longer do that? And God gets all the glory because you know you didn't do it because you had no capability of doing it. You can't praise up some program. You can't praise up some of what you did to self-talk and you worked, worked really, really hard and, and you, you got your knees bloody because you prayed for 12 hours a day and you can try to get credit, but you'll never, you'll, you'll fall short. You, God will get all the credit when you change and people will see it and that's what you want to have happen you can be a testimony of God's power transforming a life and he gives you a purpose for living by conforming you to the image of Christ and let me give you this hope if you allow him to do the work in you and allow him to get all the glory and honor as he's working in you He's going to give you and I a purpose of living. He's got a plan for your life, a purpose and love living that's going to conform you to the image of Christ. You'll be Christ-likeness. You won't be just some Christian in term, one, a, 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 a term only, some word only. I'm a Christian. Somehow it just veneer, it makes everyone think you're... No, no, I met a lot of so-called Christians out there. It doesn't mean they're biblical-based. It's just words only. And we want to live a life that is truly conformed in the image of Christ because God is doing work. Step number 35. Step number 35, very important here, and that your contentment in all circumstances of your life, whatever's happening in your life, your contentment in all circumstances is dependent on your obedient response to God and how you live. This step is critical because you're going to have all kinds of crazy circumstances that are happening in your life. Those are not going to change. Those are, some things are because you brought upon, because your sin that's brought those upon you. But even if you, were not, you don't have any habitual sins happening in your life, you've been set free, but you're still struggling and in some things are still residuals that are, you're, you're working through. Just know your contentment in all things, in all circumstances, is dependent on the obedience response to God in your thoughts, your actions, and your words. Luke eleven twenty eight. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. 
keep it. By obeying the Lord in your daily walk, you show your love for the Lord. How do you know if you love the Lord? By your keeping his commandments. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. What commandments? As you study the word of God, he's going to show you each day how to live and what you need to change and, and be obedient to. Just be obedient to his word. We also in John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I will reveal myself to him. Meaning, as we continue to grow and we're obedient to as God leads our life on a daily basis, picking up our cross and following him and just allowing him to lead us, he's going to manifest. He'll reveal himself to you in such wonderful ways to encourage you to continue in this walk. And that walk doesn't go back to the past. It doesn't dwell on the past. Remember, your sins and my sins have been forgiven as far as the east to the west. It's no longer. It's been wiped as white as Snow. I know that's a very important word up here in the North Country, and that's a great word because it reminds you and me we have been forgiven. You've been forgiven as a child of God. And we must demonstrate this love for our Lord by keeping his commandments, demonstrating his lordship in your life. We must Make sure we do that because God delights. His pleasure is in our obedience by faith. Hebrews eleven six, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's Hebrews eleven six. That's a great verse to remember. We must seek after him. Do you and I seek after him daily? Or do we just talk about it on Sundays only? And the rest of the week, we don't seek after him. How do you seek after him? By the word of God. By reading the word of God that says seeking after, because you want to hear what he has for you to say to you. We do it in prayer. We must have a prayer life, just you and him in that closet, talking through things so that he can speak to you. We must seek after our God. Not through some demonstrated loyalty so much. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So many people talk the talk, but they don't do anything. They don't, they don't actually apply it in their lives. 1 John 2, 4. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Oh, how many times? Just happened a couple of days ago. I'm talking to a person, and, and I was like, you know, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. Oh, no, I already talked about Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, okay, great. So let me, tell me what you know about Jesus Christ. Tell me, how, how is it? Oh, I know him all about him. I gave my life over to him. Oh, you did, okay. So how's your life? How's it going? And then goes on to talk about all, everything he's living habitually in. He's living habitually in sin. 
The scripture is very clear to me. You're not keeping his commandments because he says you're not supposed to be a drunkard. You're not supposed to be in drugs and you're not supposed to be doing the things you've been saying. Then you're basically, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to be really nicely. I'm not going to say it. Let me see what the, God says. Let me tell you what 1 John 2, 2, 4 says. You're not keeping your commandments. You're a liar because you're not in the truth. You're not living a life as a child of God. I didn't say it. The scripture says that. Now, those are tough words. I understand that. But these are tough words to get you and I to make, understand that we're not dealing with some take-it-or-leave-it kind of conversations. We're talking about eternal conversations. We're talking about life-and-death conversations here. It's important we understand these things. Now, you may get it. All of you are listening. That's why you're joining in and you're listening here and why you're here. You all get it. I know that. But who are you working with in your family and your family and friends and neighbors who don't get it? I want you to be encouraged. You have the scriptures tonight to go back and delicately, lovingly, if the Holy Spirit opens up opportunities, to share the truth of God to help them in their walk as they're professed being a Christian. And how important it is that we continue to be there to support them in this. But we must be content in all circumstances and dependent on our obedient response to God. Not only through these dedicated loyalty kind of moments, because not always just because they sound and they look loyal doesn't mean they're, they are. Or expression of remorse. Some people can turn it on and really look and sound really remorseful. And you've heard me teach it from the pulpit many times. Many men come in and find themselves curled up in a ball and weeping and crying and just moaning and groaning because they're about to lose their family, their, their wives, their children. But once God restores and keeps everything intact and, and by the grace and mercy, then they turn around and go right back to the old life. That should not be for you. It cannot just be showing remorse, but you've got to show obedience to God's word. Or you sometimes people will try to convince you or convince themselves that they are solidly walking with the Lord. And they will come in and they'll have these good intentions, maybe, but meaningless activities. They just, I got to go do this. I got to do this for the Lord. I got to do this for the Lord. I got to do this. For, and I want to try this. I want to try this. Because they're trying to work their way into pleasing God. You can't work to please God. You please God by doing the work that he's called you to do. You're just being obedient to what God's called you to do. And there is a difference between those two things. Next one, that's just from a God's viewpoint. And we're going to wrap it up here with your hope and my hope. I'm going to give you three steps of giving you hope if you find yourself in the description that we're talking about tonight, and you're not maturing yet, but tonight you move forward. Tonight you say, tonight I'm moving forward. I'm no longer going to be acting like a Christianese. I'm actually moving forward to live a, a life that is pleasing to my Lord. So what's your hope? Well, step 36. You should be very thankful to God because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Go back to the basics here. You have to remember, you are absolutely, incredibly made in such intricacies 
we refer to it as fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, made. Psalm, I'll give you once, I'll give you two to read. Psalm 119.73. Psalm 119.73. But let me read this other one here. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14. It says, For you formed my inner parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. That my soul knows very well that God created me, knitted me together in my mother's womb for a purpose, for his purpose. If you're struggling tonight with self, you need to go back to the basics and say, God, you created me. You've created me in your control, even though you might have physical deformities. Because sometimes right now, some people are saying, well, you don't understand the deformities that I was born with or end up having afterwards or the chronic afflictions that I have been faced with. But God's plan is to use them for your good and for his glory. You have to understand that. Even though sometimes, oh, how is a child all ten fingers, ten toes? Are they perfect? Everything is a little perfect and you check it all out. But what happens if your child has deformity? God didn't fail. God didn't fail at all. He has a purpose, specific purpose and a glory to use that life, that baby's life, for his glory and for purpose. That is absolutely important for you to understand as you disciple other people in this walk. You must understand that God's plan is to use them still. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. That promise is for those who love God. And we must, in our lives, if, if we're going to grow and if we're going to help us in our, this walk, God, you have to understand God loves you with perfect love. God loves you with perfect love, regardless of any weaknesses or limitations that you may have. Even though you do not deserve it, But you have to understand that you receive God's perfect love even though you do not deserve it, you didn't merit it, nor can you earn his love, this perfect love. Matter of fact, this perfect love was displayed that while you and I were still sinners and absolutely wanted nothing to do with God, he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for your sin to make a way for you and I to have a relationship with God Almighty. To have eternal hope. That's perfect love. And there's no conditions attached to it. <laughs> you can't earn it. Now step 37. You can quickly overcome. And this is where we'll be uh, platforming going into next Wednesday, Lord willing. You can quickly overcome your self-belittlement, self-exaltation, or self-pity. 
And this is possible when you realize that a preoccupation or a constant, constant thought process of every day throughout the day, constantly thinking this way of self, is sin. You must understand that is, if you're dealing with that, I'm going to delicately and lovingly tell you, you're in sin. And that needs to change. And God wants to change you. You can no longer live in self-belittlement or self-exaltation or self-pity. Matthew 23, 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Romans 14, verses 7 and 8. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For, we, if, for if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. It's very, very important. 50, even Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You and I must confess any unbiblical focus in our life. If you have an unbiblical perspective about yourself, you must, have, you must change. And you begin immediately to live according to his word and what his view is about you as a child of God. And how critical that is for you and I to be able to continue to grow and mature and become more Christ-like. And lastly, step 38. Step 38 is another important principle that you and I need to understand and apply, and that is you have been freed from the power of all sin. You have been freed from the power of all sin. If you're a child of God, you've experienced the born-again, regenerating experience of being born again, as, and you're a child of God, you have been freed from sin. There's nothing, there's no ball and chains holding you down on that anymore. Absolutely been freed. Romans 6.6, 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, Jesus Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Romans 6, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And lastly, you can be content in Christ and in all those circumstances and grow and no longer be in this life that you find yourself. And again, we'll deal with this not next week, but the following week. And what he's, we're speaking about here in step 38 is that those, those powerful sins of envy, jealousy, and covetousness and greed that can dominate or be so pronounced in our self-focus on ourselves. But Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to be, to be abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
We must understand that regardless if you find yourself in the whatever spectrum you have in the pendulum swing of deep poverty or deep richness, you can still have a problem with the sins of envy and jealousy and covetousness and greed. And that you, as a child of God, you've been freed from that. You now need to grow and mature and learn by the power of the Holy Spirit of working through the Word of God, speaking to you, and you then applying it into your life to be set, completely to walk away from that and no longer be something that's gripping a hold of you. And you must develop this attitude of Christ developed inside you, Philippians 2.5. You must have that attitude. You can no longer have this defeative attitude of you still being some, something of, of the past, of the old flesh. If you're born again, you have been set free. And that's why I made one note here. Remember that your heavenly Father is a sovereign God. The God you follow, the God you've given your life over to, is a sovereign God of the universe. And has your best interests at heart. Regardless of how you and I feel, he has best interests at heart and will accomplish his purposes in your life. It's a fact. And he promises to meet every need that you will ever have, we see in the scriptures. Every need. Go back and read Psalm 34:10. Read Psalm 34. 15 through 18. Psalm 37, verses 23 through 25. Matthew 6, 33 through and 34. I mean, there's just so many of understanding. There's a promise given to you and I that He is going to meet every need that you will ever have and to equip you fully for every good work that He's calling you to do. And lastly, and most encouraging, he promises to be with you and I through every circumstance of your life. Every. Regardless of how you feel, he is never going to leave you or forsake you. We see in two, and we'll finish with this, go back and read Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. And read Psalm 121, 1 through 8. And I'll finish with this one last verse, 2 Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18 says, And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and, and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. And he says at the end of that, Amen.